So this morning, if you want to turn with me, we're going to be in Luke chapter 18, verse 35. Again, that's Luke chapter 18, verse 35. Let's go ahead and read our passage together. In Luke chapter 18, verse 35, it says, As Jesus approached Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard the crowd going by, he asked what was happening. They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. He called out, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. Those who led the way rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and ordered the man to be brought to him. When he came near, Jesus asked him, What do you want me to do for you? Lord, I want to see, he replied. Jesus said to him, Receive your sight, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus, praising God. When all the people saw it, they also praised God. This is the word of the Lord. This is Jesus in his brief, short three years of ministry time, stopping to have a conversation and heal. I don't know about you, but with kind of the pace of life I move, I don't feel like I often stop and just actually, you know, have a regular conversation with someone randomly that I'm passing by. Like, in fact, I think I get so busy that I forget even, you know, to stop and really think about the relationships around me. At one point in time, my my wife said that I got so focused on my work that she was going to see if my laptop could fly out the window. You know, I've imagined this a few times. I wonder if it'll get wings or not before it hits the surface. Probably not. You know, or take my phone and chuck it. I had a period of time in life where I was without a phone and a laptop, and I I went to Northeast India, and I was researching a book. My my book is called Jesus Economy, and that's what we're going to be talking about this morning, Jesus' Economy, and that it's centered on relationships. And so I was researching this book in, in doing this field study with these pioneering missionaries, and I didn't have a computer or a phone because I knew I was going to be somewhere where I couldn't get signal anyway, so I'm like, hey, let's go old school. Let's just journal this out and work through it. And if you think uh, uh, out loud like I do, which most preachers tend to do, that's why we do this job, what, what happens is it gets hard for you to really process stuff. So I, I was processing my journal, you know, just trying to kind of think out loud to myself and talking to myself like crazy people do. And as time went on, I suddenly was like, oh man, like I'm kind of missing the ability to like type this up and to really like format it and think it through. And, and so then I discovered there was this, there was this laptop available at the, <laughs> the missions organization I was with there. And I was like, hey, could I borrow that? <laughs> um, and then before long, I was spending every day staring at a budget sheet. All right, so I'm in the field, supposed to be doing this pioneering missionary work in this area where people don't know Jesus and who are in extreme poverty. And and what am I doing? I'm staring at a screen. And about four days went on, 
And I looked up and realized that I was missing everything going on around me. And this really struck me when we went to this remote village and I heard this man's story. And so I left the computer behind and this man got up and he said, you know, I was once a violent alcoholic. And I said to him, I said, what changed? And he said, Jesus? This pastor had come to him and engaged deeply in relationship and had this conversation and entered into this man's life. And he had never heard of Jesus before. And Jesus changed everything about his life. Through that relationship, he experienced a new economy, one where he didn't have to go to his vices and, and his violence to have new life. Instead, he could embrace this economy of love and joy and relationship, hospitality, and it changed everything. And this other woman, she, she told me that she had lived as one of the, you know, she, she's one of the people in the lowest caste system. And the way the caste system works is that if you're born into a certain structure of it in India, you stay in that place. Meaning that if you're born poor, you stay poor. There's no way to get out of it in most places in, in India, especially in the north. And she had said, you know, I felt worthless and like I had nothing to do and nowhere to go because I, had, I, was, in the, I was born to this lowest of the caste structure and and then I was disabled. And, you know, through this motorcycle accident, I haven't been able to, to do much since then because my legs hurt so bad and my arms hurt so bad. My life had no meaning. But then again, she said, a pastor had entered her life and she had heard about the love of Jesus that gave her life beyond her social structure. That showed her that her life had eternal meaning and eternal value that someone like Jesus had done had stopped and entered into the situation of her life and given her the hope of Christ. And this had transformed her household and it had transformed, started to transform her society and she was being looked at differently too by other people because of the love of Jesus, because of his economy at work of love and relationship. When we look at this text with Jesus, I think he's asking us to stop and look at the relationships around us. That's kind of the first thing you see in this passage. And it says, right, they're, they're, the people are trying to silence this man. He's crying out to Jesus. And it literally says in verse 40, Jesus stopped. He is, right, he's on his road to Jerusalem where he is going to go to his, his death and his, eventually his resurrection and everything that his ministry is about is about this moment in time coming up. And he's on this road to Jericho. He's going to travel through Jericho to Jerusalem. And he has this time where he could be triumphant and, he, and everything could be celebration. Like, oh Jesus, we know you're the Messiah and we're so excited about that and we know you're going to do amazing things. And Jesus... Unlike all the people around us, though, around him and around what we see in our own society, in our own society's economy, he stops. And he turns and he looks at the man. And listen to what he says. He says, what do you want me 
to do for you. In verse 41, he says, what do you want me to do for you? This man, right, he, it's obvious he needs healing. It's obvious that he's impoverished. It's obvious that he needs the hand of God to immediately transform his life. But Jesus asks a question. Does Jesus know what the man needs? Yeah, he does. If anyone in the world ever knew what this man needed, <laughs> it was Jesus. But he stops and he says, what do you want me to do for you? Jesus enters into relationship. So Jesus' economy, it slows down. It slows down the pace and the movement and the busyness. And it stops and it says, I see you. I see you. I see you as one whom God loves. I see you as one in need of healing. And I see you as one who can engage in this relationship. And I want to engage in relationship with you. That is the type of love that Jesus shows. Now, I don't know about you, but if I only had three years, just a brief three-year span to do a project, well, I know, in fact, this has happened in my life, what I would do. I would ignore everyone around me. Right? Like, I would straight up, like, silence all of the noise I could, lock myself away, and, you know, and I, I would write the manifesto. I would make sure that everybody could really carry on with these ideas, and I would, I would obsess over this little thing, and I would get into all the details. But that's not what Jesus does. Jesus doesn't, in fact, did you notice this? That Jesus doesn't even write a book. Jesus leaves it to them to write the book about him and his life. Jesus actually spends all of his time in relationship with the people around him. Jesus' entire economy is not based on projects or goals or you know, anything else you could imagine that we're, we would put out in our economy as the achievement thing. He's not trying to rack up the dollars to fund what he's going to do. He's not trying to you know, make some fame for himself. In fact, Jesus leaves when fame is about to happen. And where do we find Jesus? We find him in prayer and we find him in relationship with people, in relationship with God the Father, and relationship with other people. I don't know about you, but this is, this is kind of a tough story when you really get down to it for me. Like, are, are you feeling this? Are you feeling like, whoa, like, how often have I just forgotten to stop and care about the people around me? To just say, hey, what can I do for you? To serve. To love sacrificially. And this, this moves in me deeply because I think about, you know, what if I had spent my time in India like I often do here and, and stayed behind the computer? I would have missed the whole picture, right? What if I had spent my time in ministry, ignoring the people around me and instead focused 
on the little task that I have? What if I had ignored all the relationships and just done what I wanted to do and shut out everybody else? Because that's our heart's tendency, isn't it? To isolate, to put ourselves in a position where we can really just get done that thing, make that project a thing. But for Jesus, it's not the project. This man is not a transaction. It's not just a simply, I will heal you and go on. There is a relationship happening here and being built. He is caring deeply about the man's soul. And this convicts me. It makes me think, God, like how often have I missed the picture of what you are doing around me? Like, oh Lord, like move in me to change me and transform me so that I care about those right in front of me. So that I care about the relationships that you have appointed in my life for me to share in and enjoy and experience. That I can say truly as this man does, like, you are the Son of God, the Messiah. And you can transform me and change me and move in me to make the economy of my life look like yours, Jesus says. To make it about relationships and love and the joy that those bring. Because at the end of the day, that's all we've got. We don't take the rest of this stuff with us to the end. No one at your grave will say, good job on your projects. They will want to know how you loved. And they will want to know how you loved God and other people. That's Jesus' gospel. That's his economy at work. And this makes me think, you know, if, if this is the case... then there are some practical things that have to happen too, right? Our, our lives, we have to be people who stop and slow down like Jesus. Who stop to enter into the relationship when the person cries out to us for help. Or when we see the need in front of us. And also, everything we do in that, right, should be about relationship. Like, how often have even when we go to approach poverty or issues of trying to share the love of Jesus, we make it transactional, right? It becomes like how the economy of our culture operates, right? Get into my wallet. I'm going to get my credit card out. And I'm going to swipe it in the relationship. Maybe now you insert these, right? The chip. That's what it becomes about, right? It becomes about the transaction, that I'm just trying to get what this person needs right away and take care of it so I can get them off my back, right? Or it becomes about that, right? Even in our normal everyday to day lives, like, okay, well, if, if, I, if I can just get this person out of my office or out of my space or out of whatever, then, then I can move on and do what's actually important. But what's important to Jesus is actually the relationship, right? He's not looking to just transactionally dismiss this man on the road. He could easily just heal him and move on. Like Jesus could have literally been like poof and like just kept going. But he doesn't. He enters into the relationship. Because Jesus' economy is centered on relationships. Jesus' economy is centered on relationships. 
Do you hear me? Amen, right? That's good news because I don't want to be a transaction. Like, I don't know about you, but I don't want you to swipe when you meet me. I don't want you to, you know, tap or insert the chip. Like, I don't want to be a transaction to you. I want to be somebody you actually know. And don't you want that from other people? You do, right? You want people to actually care and know your story and enter into it and to love you as you are and to then work in your life to love you like Jesus would. That's what you want. None of us want to be a transaction or a number on a spreadsheet. So our entire ministries, our entire life should operate out of that relationship. Our culture will tell you the opposite. It will tell you that people are about numbers and metrics. In fact, there's a whole movement of church stuff that is all about measuring success based on that. Data in a spreadsheet. But that is not at all what Jesus is about. Jesus is about making disciples and entering into these relationships that change lives where people are moved to sacrificial giving and sacrificial generosity and moved to renew their communities and moved to offer people a, a way to get out of the poverty they're facing and out of the ailments they're going through and out of the difficulties of sin and struggle and addiction and all these things. This is Jesus' economy. And it does not look like the economy of our culture. We do not look out there to find truth. We look to God and to His Word and to His Spirit moving in community. That's where we find truth. So practically, when we go about doing things like helping this type of man on the side of the road, we want to find a way to lift him out of what he's dealing with to lift him out of his element, to give him a new life where he can actually overcome the poverty and the healing he's facing. And, and really, like technical terms, this is called community development. This is called actually renewing communities where we enter into ways to lift people out of poverty, either through things like microfinance or having their medical needs met or job training programs or addiction recovery programs. These are the types of places where relationships happen and people aren't just transactions that we throw money at to fix the problem because we all know, right, like throwing money at the problem doesn't fix it. Has it ever in your life? It hasn't in mine. What fixes my life is Jesus working in me to transform me. And that's what I want for other people. This reminds me of what Jesus says in Matthew 25 that, he says in Matthew 25, verse 34, Then the king will say to those on his right, Come you who are blessed by my Father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me as a guest. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you as a guest or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, truly I say to you, 
And as much as you did it to one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did it to me. Wow. By the way, this is what Jesus says when he's talking about when he comes again. Did you know that? When Jesus comes again, he's going to distinguish his followers from those who are not based on what they've done for caring for the poor and the marginalized and the hurting. Yes, Jesus offers eternal life freely to all of us who embrace it in salvation, but Jesus says, I recognize that eternal life in a person based on how they act, based on what they do for those who are strangers and needy and the outcast. And this is why Jesus stops on the road, right? Because his economy is not operating where these people are pushed aside and they're unimportant. Instead, they are prioritized and loved and and he enters into relationship so that they can be changed and move to new life. And the same work goes on in us today by the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, I've often been asked, like, what do you think... What do you think makes a church a church? There's a lot of answers to this. There's a lot of like really good theological answers to this. But I want to I answer this question practically. What makes a Christian a Christian? How do you know? Right? People say this. How do I know? And I, well, I think Jesus just gave us an answer. Jesus knows his followers based on their love for the stranger and the outsider and them entering into relationship to change lives and them stopping like he did and caring about the person next to them. That's how Jesus knows those who love him. Because they show sacrificial love for other people. They center their lives on relationships. So I want you to think about this. In your own life, are there times when I'm prioritizing the project over my family and loved ones, over the stranger in need, over the person who's imprisoned and needs a a sign of love, over the one who is hungry or thirsty? Are there times that I'm prioritizing ways of acting transactional because it makes it easier for me. Because that's why we do it, right? We do it, we act transactionally with other people because it's hard to enter into relationships. Because guess what? Now I got to deal with their mess as well as mine. (laughs) And my mess is a lot. (laughs) So adding somebody else's is hard. But that's what Jesus does. Are there relationships that you could be entering into that you're not? How can you change the way you use your time and your resources so that you have more margin for those around you? Because yes, work is important. And yes, some of our work involves spreadsheets. Mine does sometimes too. But the goal of all of it should be showing the love of Jesus and relationships around us. And that should be where we spend as much of our energy as possible. So think about that as we read this passage again, and I want you to have those questions in your mind, and I want you to listen to how Jesus reacts. Luke chapter 18, verse 35. As Jesus approached Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard the crowds going by, he asked what was happening. 
they told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. He called out, Jesus, Son of God, have mercy on me. Those who led the way rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and ordered the man to be brought to him. When he came near, Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? Lord, I want to see, he replied. Jesus said to him, receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. Immediately, he received his sight and followed Jesus, praising God. When all the people saw it, they also praised God. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we want eyes to see you to center our lives on relationships. To let our lives operate on your economy, O Jesus. Where those around us are what's most important to us. Where we can proclaim that you are the Son of David who heals. That you are the Messiah, the rightful King on the throne. And we operate as such within your economy. Lord, where we show sacrificial love based in relationships. Lord, where where we want to transform lives in our communities. Enter into our lives, O Holy Spirit, and transform us. For we are weak, but you are strong. And you, O Lord, can make all things possible. You are the great healer who redeems all. In Jesus Christ's name we pray these things. Amen.